This is the Shift Podcast. Simple Sounds Amazing with Big Little Lions today on the Shift Daily Podcast as we continue our summer of new music. Guitarist Helen Austin tells us how the pop duo creates big sound with multiple instruments. Plus, we get into the band's unlikely story of what it's like to live the dream after the age of 50. Surfing in Venice, stealing Easter Island statue parts, and more. Some of the things you should not do while traveling. Claire Newell helps us here on the podcast understand what is respectful while traveling abroad and things you could do to make it better for you. Unbelievable travel stories and digital detoxes on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Can you do a digital detox? Have you ever tried? I really want to know. 877-399-9898. Like legit. Put the phone down. How much time do you spend on the phone? I mean, if you have your phone right now, you there is a screen time option on the phones where you can see how much you use it per day. I'm curious for you to text that in. 6.5 hours, 4 hours, 3 hours, 30 minutes, whatever it is. I want to know those numbers. Over the last seven days last week, I did a digital detox. It was a byproduct of study. Um, I did something called the Hoffman Process, which is a study program. And it was in just outside Caroline, Alberta at Sanctum Retreat, which is beautiful, by the way. And for the agreement was that you give up your phone and it was for seven days, six days and change really is what it was. And you, you give up the phone, like you hand it over. I'm Shane Hewitt. I am in Calgary. So is Ryan O'Donnell, Brandon Kelly's in Vancouver. BK, have you ever given up the phone and walked away from it? Literally put it down or handed it over to someone else for a period of time. Yeah. For like maybe a few hours at a time at certain things. Um, when actually, when I went to get uh, my U.S. passport renewed, that was one thing. They collected the phone on the way in, and then I sat inside the consulate here in Vancouver for like three hours without my phone. Just had to read wow. whatever reading material they had up there. Uh, for me, it's not... I, I think it's probably a little easier for me than it is for a lot of people because I've really kind of gone 75% disconnected over this last little bit. Uh, like, mm-hmm. We're I'm, off the socials for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I'm off the socials. I really only use the phone... Like I text with friends every once in a while. And then other than that, my connection is just to work. If I was off work for seven days, yeah, I could very easily just turn the phone off and live. Hmm. It's curious. Ryan, what about you? Can you do it? Well, I just looked at my screen time usage on my my brand new phone. And it's uh, down 30% over last week at uh three hours and 15 minutes so i use it quite a bit i i do Mm -hmm. and uh the the interesting challenge and i'm sure that this isn't just for uh, people who work within our industry is that you kind of need the phone for work so uh it bleeds you know into personal life right that's one of the ways that work in your downtime can kind of sneak in is because you're working on one platform but you're also doom scrolling on tiktok for some fun the question of if I could do it comes with some, I think, uh, other questions. The first is, let's say we create ourselves a perfect scenario here where not only do I digital detox, I'm also off work, let's say for a week. Could I turn my phone off, put it away for a week and disconnect from everything online for that long? I think so. I think I could. However, I don't think I could disconnect 
from technology. I don't think I could move away from music on demand. I've got a great record collection. I could break out some records, but going to bed with, uh, I don't have a Walkman anymore. I used to have one. I don't have it anymore. You know, not having the digital library of music at all times would be a struggle for me. And uh, I actually don't play a lot of online video games. I mostly play single player ones, and I really enjoy that in my free time. And I would struggle not having any video games for that. And I think it would kind of be, you know, first couple of days would be really hard, but finding other ways to be creative, like writing or um, uh, drawing, and even I'm not good at it, but finding those avenues, I think it would be a real battle actually for the first couple Mm -hmm. of days. But if you put me in a scenario where I was almost forced to do it, I think I would take a lot away from it by the end of it. Well, just to be clear, digital detox is all things digital. So you don't get to play video games in this scenario. You also don't get to listen to music when you walk. If you were to intentionally sit uh, sit down and listen to maybe a record, you might be able to get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one I did was no, zero stimulation. Like there's no outside stimulation at all. No alcohol, no magazines, no books, no TV, no video games, no listening to music, nothing. Literally no outside stimulation, full on digital detox. And that sort of flows over into, you know, some of these, these pieces here, right? Because we get so caught up in it. Like you said, you said, like, you have to have your phone, but do you really for work? Like, do you really need to? Because if you were intentional with the time where you sat down and said, okay, I'm here for one hour, I'm prepping and then I'm done. And then you walk away. I think that we, we confuse and we collapse together the notion that we need to, and that we want to. And and here's why I say that. A text from James. 11 hours, 38 minutes yesterday. 22 minutes so far today. And it's we're just barely into today. And Catherine says, I love Brennan's description of phone being off and live. So... Uh, in my defense, I use it for Google Maps. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, James. And But that's just it. Google Maps is a great example. I'm going to write that down. Google Maps. Mm-hmm. going to talk about that. So when you disconnect from all of the stimulation, think of it this way. Think of everything that in your life that distracts you from your life. This is where BK just nods because he's already been through this. Like, he's figured this part out. And we're just learning it. And so... Everything that you, that distracts you from doing what it is that you're out to do. That's how you have to think of a digital detox. And when you can unplug from everything, no stimulation at all. We're to where I was. It was like, no, you could have coffee with some sugar in it and stuff, but literally there was no juice, no pop, no sugar. We got a cookie as dessert with lunch or dinner. Uh, so it was, it was literally no. If you wanted a snack, there was granola bars, and even there was a fellow there. Um, his his he was a diabetic, and they basically catered his meals to make sure that he didn't need anything. And they checked his the metered his thing on his arm. And so, when you digital detox, you take away all of the things that pull you somewhere. Here's what was most amazing about the digital detox, at least that I discovered. I recommend it. I absolutely recommend it. Um, time was difficult. Time was really difficult 
because so often you just tap the phone, check the time, tap the phone, check the time. And I didn't live intentionally. This is my hippie self coming through. You ready? I didn't live intentionally into time. I would do some stuff, then I would check the time. When you don't have a phone and the clock is down the hall or the, the clock is over there, it's not in front of you all the time, you focus on what you're doing, you get it done, then you check the time, right? And you're living intentionally into, I have this much time to get this thing done. That was completely different. Music for me, I mean, I've worked in radio for 26 years. Music for me has always been on in the background. And there are times when you listen to music and you're inspired. You're 100% music to 100% listening and in tune intentionally to that record for the experience of the record. That's great. Intentional listening. But quite often we have this noise in the background to drown on the stuff that's going around us. You know what I found? You know what I heard for the first time in so long? I heard birds. I heard the wind. And as hippy-dippy as that sounds, it was absolutely remarkable. You know what I could do? For the first time and not having music playing, I sat down in a chair and I had a coffee in the morning. And I could hear the creek running by the building, the babbling of the creek and the water. I hadn't heard that in so long. And sleep is another one. I was terrified because I knew that this thing started in the morning. And as soon as I said, like, alcohol is a distraction, you know, marijuana would be a distraction, all of those things, um, candies, uh, guilty pleasure candies, treats, popcorn, you name it. It was so fast for my sleep schedule to change. In a day, I was getting up at 6.45 in the morning after one day. My alarm clock went off once. I took an alarm clock. You're allowed to have an alarm clock so you can get up in the morning. My alarm clock went off one time. Every other morning, I was awake 15 minutes before my alarm clock. I was falling asleep at 10.30, 10.45 at night and sleeping for eight hours. I haven't done that in years. And I attributed 100% to the fact that there was no stimulation around, and my body just automatically switched back into the clock that it wanted. It was unbelievably cool. We're talking about digital detox here. It's the shift. Greg says, I'm on my screen time. Seven hours, 48 minutes is my average. So what does it look like? I wrote 27 letters this week. 27 letters. 27 letters. I sat down for the first time, and I was nothing but present to somebody. I wrote a a letter to my sister for the first time in my life. And it was just a note. It was just a, a little note. Um, I have some small little note paper. It was just a little note. And what it said was, oh, she's not listening. Because I just mailed it. <laughs> what I said was, is I wrote this this week. Love is the word we use to render our experience of connection and presence. I've thoroughly enjoyed being more connected with you this summer. Love, Shane. And I remember what's on the note. And so often we go through all these things that we go through and think, oh, yeah, what did we do there? What was this? What was that? Did we, what did you say? Did we do the? What are we doing here? And there's all the distractions constantly around us. No, I remember what was on the note. And I haven't written a note like that to my sister ever, ever, ever. 
it's amazing what you get back with a digital detox. And Ryan, I can't imagine your generation. You've always had the internet, correct? Like ever since you were young? No. No, no? uh really. I don't think I truly uh really understood what the internet was and how I mean yes technically the internet was a thing for as long as I've been alive absolutely but using the internet uh didn't really happen for me until I was at least like I got to say 10 12 years old my youngest memories as a child were unplugged 100% like you know yes I had the PlayStation 1 but it was very much disconnected from the internet yeah so it's um there there's a whole generation that has no idea what sitting and listening to the radio even this show the experience of that is like and so i became incredibly present to how much i admire this community at nighttime that just sits and listens like for the companionship of the radio it's unbelievable what your brain starts to pick up on when you stop bombarding it, here's some examples. Google Maps is a great example. You know what you do if you don't know when there's no access to the internet? You talk to people. You go and you ask them and you say, hey, by the way, well, for me, it was significance. I didn't know how to spell the word significance. And I had to ask people, how do you spell significance? <laughs> talk about feeling insignificant. <laughs> They're like, I'm significant, 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 significant. I feel insignificant because I don't know how to spell significant. And then you ask people, how do you spell it? How does this work? What do you do? And then I had an answer and the conversation started. And the next thing you know, um, you get answers. Google Maps was the thing. I use my phone screen time for Google Maps. You know what you do when you don't have Google Maps is you break out the map, you look at the map, you route it out, you maybe write a list of all your exit numbers, uh, turn right at 258, blah, blah, blah. So you spend time becoming present and getting to know things. My kids have no idea how to get places because they've never sat down and become present to what the shape of the city looks like. Or if you get lost, you stop and ask for directions, which, God, some places you don't even want to do that anymore, but you used to have to before. And you ask for help. It's mind-blowing what comes out of Digital Detox. 877-399-9898. Digital Detox, could you do it? Could you pull it off? And I have to tell you that I'm not sure that I, I want the phone at all. I get the safety of it, having it in the car, all those things, um... It's it's a real convenient way to look up things here for the show. I created so much self-importance on my way that I, I mean, I do have a business and it needs to be, you know, everything needed to be addressed. But you know what I received in return from my clients that emailed with to my auto reply? Great to hear that you're taking a week off. Let me know when you're back. Let's get this done. That was it. There, nobody needed me. Nobody was, there was not the end of the world, this, all this drama in my mind that I was creating about how important I was. And it's just, it was humbling, frankly. And 
all the crap that we tell ourselves that we um, that we need to do. My recommendation is try it and literally try all of it. Have some paper ready to write some things down. You are going to be like a druggie looking for a hit. You truly are because you are looking for a hit of dopamine. Something's got to entertain me. Uh, let's quickly go to uh, Cam, who's in Surrey, and uh, and bring Cam on here. Uh, hey, Cam, uh, would you do a digital detox? Yeah, I definitely would. And, you know, I think it would be kind of fun, too. I, I, I did a little bit. You know, my son and I, we went camping. This is like during COVID. We went up to Princeton, and there came up a time where we needed directions. So we're trying to find this lake, and I go to my son. I'm like, I'm like, hey, son, let's go ask. There's an information booth with the guy working there and, like, tourism tourism something, B.C., or actual mm-hmm. live person. I said, let's go in there. And, and my son looked at me. He's like, oh, Dad, we could just Google it. I said, no, I know we can Google it, but let's go ask this guy for directions. And we went in there, and we met a really cool person. We had a chat, and then he told us directions. He gave us an actual map and stuff, and... It was a really great thing, you know. Back in the day, we used to ask for directions a lot, and you get to mm-hmm. meet people and talk. It's way better than using GPS. I mean, I could have done that, but we never would have met that guy, and we never would have went in. We never would have got that map. Well, you also experience. would never have called in and shared it with us, and now everyone else is hearing it, right? Like, you can see the effect of it. Um, how did that make you feel, though, when you got back in the car? Tell me how you felt, Cam. You're with your son. You just did the good dad thing. You chatted with this total stranger, had a good visit. Now you're getting back in the car. How did that feel as a dad? It felt good. I felt like, uh, you know, I just felt like uh, I felt like I was being like my dad because I remember my dad, when we used to plan things, you know, he used to check the oil of the car before you went. You know, everything wasn't automatic. We used to pull out a map. And then he used to write it exactly like you said. He used to write it on the list. We're going to Harrison Hot Springs or Cultus Lake or whatever. It would be Point Roberts. We used to pull out maps and figure it out. It's it's a good feeling. I mean, I like using maps. It feels good. It's good. Thank you very much, Ken. Appreciate the story. Yeah. You can hear, right, the good dad moment. What a great connection that is. Like th- That's what it creates. Uh, Ron is in Poco. Hey, Ron, a little short on time here, but tell me your story. Okay, um, really easy. Uh, the only thing that frustrates me about not having the Internet is uh, if I need a phone number, uh, I need to buy something. But other than that, I got you guys. I got books. I got my map book is right beside me on my bad ear, you know. Um, and I'm proud of the fact that I know where stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, and and yeah. I, I I work with a guy that relies on GPS. Without GPS, he, he can't he can't find his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> see, but I see. And here's the thing, though: if you got Cam shows up, and there's Ron who loves to know maps and loves to know where things are. Now Ron gets to share what Ron loves to Cam, and that sounds cool to me, Ron. Yeah, I I think it's great. You Love know, it. It, it, hey, it. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling, Ron. I got to let you go just because it's the uh, we're just a little short on time. Um, but thanks so much, Ron. I mean, I, I I feel your passion there, right? And I would I would I would change it from a digital detox to stimulation, complete stimulation detox. 
and literally just be there. And you know why we do it? I was asked this question just today. You know, why does everyone smoke weed? Why does everyone drink? Why does everyone eat? I mean, I don't smoke weed, but I'm guilty of all the other things. Because we try to distract ourselves from, you know, being with ourselves. And I know that's hippy-dippy. I get it. But I got to tell you, I'm just like everybody else. I did everything I could to avoid it and didn't want to sit there and, and do it. But you know what I came out of it with? So much clarity about what I want for this show, for my life, for what I want to create in life, what I'm out to create. I wrote more in seven days than I have in the last year and a half. And it was unbelievable. So my challenge to you is this. By the way, the phone in the bedroom, get a good alarm clock. Learn how to program your phone so only the important people, like your kids or your partner or whatever, can get through to you in the middle of the night if they have to. Put your phone in the other room. Get a $20 alarm clock if you can afford it off of like Amazon or something that projects on the ceiling or whatever. Even has a little radio in it. And put an alarm clock in your room. Get the damn photo out of your room and everything else. And I got to tell you, I feel like a million bucks. I was trying to take two to three weeks off this summer. I was so exhausted. And in seven days with no phone, I feel fantastic. I might buy a camera again just so if I go on vacation, I could leave my phone. Take it as a a friendly challenge from a friend. Just give it a go. Try it for an hour. Everything goes down. Do nothing but pour into yourself and what you believe in. Do nothing but be present to all of the amazing things around you. And I hope that you too get to hear the birds and the wind and the trees and the sound of the water and all of the things around you because it felt great for me. Digital Detox feels great. This is the Shift Podcast. It is the summer of new music Monday here on The Shift, and that means we're talking about new artists, new songs, new music. Now, definitely not new to the music part. We have Helen Austin joining us here to chat on New Music Monday from Big Little Lions. Helen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Are you on the island right now, or are you out and about? No, I'm on the island. I'm on in uh, the Comox Valley right now. Very nice. Now, Royston, I, yeah. you're distinctly from Royston, not from Courtney. Is that is that like a uh, local battle thing? I mean, I live in you... I live in Royston, but I mean, I, I call it the Comox Valley because it's like because it incorporates Royston, Courtney, Cumberland, Comox, yeah, all that yeah. fun stuff. So beautiful there. I um, I'm listening to the music and listening to a bunch of songs, and I'm, I, I've said here as we said that you were coming up. Is very excited about like I want to hear you guys play outside, and then I as I read further and further into your info, and I was like Royston, oh I know where that is. I grew up in Port Alberni, so I and I was like I'm like, oh this totally makes sense because you're an island girl now. So this all this all all sort of comes together. Is that part of the is that part of the feeling that you've got? I guess well the other I don't know if you know the other line. He lives in Ohio, so it's like a really inconvenient band. <laughs> Well, you know, if you're going to find a band partner, I really, if you're on Vancouver Island, I, I can't think of a better place than someone from Ohio. <laughs> like this I is mean, convenient. really, it is the obvious choice, isn't it? <laughs> so how did that happen? Because there are really two of you, and Paul is in Springboro, uh, Ohio. Um, how, did, yeah. how did this come together? It seems uh, unlikely. 
It is unlikely. Well, we were both writing music for TV and film, and uh, neither of it, we'd both stopped touring individually and had no desire to go back on the road. And we met in 2011 at a conference about writing for TV and film. And a year later, we started writing together uh, and recording. And then in 2014, Paul said, oh, I'm going to come out to the island and see if we can do some gigs. And from there, it's just kind of got out of hand, really. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Yeah, so we, yeah, we make it. it just, it's one of those things that just keeps working and keeps working. And so... We we always say it's like a happy, well, the latest album's called Happy Accident, and we called it that because it's like we can't believe how, our luck and how well it worked. Well, the, for people who don't know your music, um, with the two of you, that's a lot of work to put it all together, number one, just the business side of it. Number two, obviously, sonically, how do you make two people playing two instruments sound like it's really a band? And if people uh, think back to the White Stripes, they did it. Now, your style is not this sort of loud you know, crunch fest like the White Stripes had, but really the depth of the music still sounds very deep, and there is only the two of you that's playing that. It's it's quite it's quite an interesting it's it's interesting to see that sort of experience and in the music videos and and hear the the music that you play and then realize that sound is just the two of you. Well, if you yeah, if you've ever seen us live. Um... Because so Paul plays. Every, well, I, I like to say to sound people, there's five of us. Four of them are Paul. So oh, he, plays, he plays. He plays <laughs> keyboard, bass, keyboard, drums, uh, and sings. And not I, all at the same time, though. In all fairness, yeah, all at, all at the same time. Yes, he does it actually <laughs> all at the same time. So he he splits his keyboard into half of its bass and half of its whatever's coming through his computer, really? whichever sounds he's using. He so has good. a foot snare and, and foot other things and kick. And and sometimes he'll switch from playing keyboard to playing full drums. So it depends if he can grab the stick in time so mid-song. And can then you, I uh, play guitar. Can you get him to do a little harmonica maybe halfway through there? Oh, a little cymbal yeah, on he, his head too? Like one man band style? Harmonica too. Yeah, he plays <laughs> harmonica too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, go find our live videos because, uh, yeah, what he does, when we started playing like this, because we originally tried to have band members, and logistically it was just too hard. And my daughter played, uh, she played with us for a while. She's a musician as well. And it was just logistically too difficult. So he said, well, I used to do this fun thing as a laugh. I'd play, you know, keyboard and drums and sing. I'm like, okay, let's do that. So, so yeah, it's, it's fun. It, it, it certainly keeps our brains active. Because I did a so foot there... percussion as well along with the, along with the uh, guitar. So yeah. I felt like a bit of a slacker when he was doing all that. I'm like, well, I've got to do some stuff too. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, does this, do you, after gigs or practice or whatever, and you kind of go, geez, I got to pick it up here because this guy's doing all the work. Well, yeah, so now I have a tambourine, a shaker, a foot clapper, and a cymbal. So when he can't get to the sticks to play cymbal stuff because he's playing keyboards, then I fill on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. It's, it's, it's fun, but you have to, we also need a lot of physio work because he's standing on one foot a lot of the time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's well, a thing, yeah. You're uh, that's so good. It's, it's the first time I've ever heard in all of my life have a musician say we <laughs> we we got to get stretched out afterwards because it's just too hard on us. That is fantastic. <laughs> I think we all connect with you as uh, as as normal people feeling like that. That sounds difficult. Well, we had a physio in our in our audience one because tre- uh, sorry, uh, Paul has to turn to his left hand side to play the keyboard. 
Uh, and so he, he twisted around and the, the physio said, got to make sure you twist to the right after the gigs because you, otherwise you're going you're gonna to have a whole world of problems uh, with your back. So, uh, and we're not that young either, so we, we have to look after ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Well, I feel you there. Uh, you guys have a long, long list of uh, accolades, things that have gone on, the John Lennon Songwriting Prize, the Juno Award, all of these things. Uh, a happy accident turns into so much more does it feel different when it wasn't necessarily this specific i mean so many people they're like i'm gonna be in a band and we're gonna do this and i'm gonna travel and then yet here you are with your happy accident seeing all kinds of success it, it, does it feel a little different than you thought it would well my whole life i've just kind of followed my nose i don't know if you know i used to do stand-up comedy before this so and i fell I into that yeah, I did musical stand-up comedy in Britain. I, you could probably tell by the accent I'm not from here originally. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for 20 years. And then I was raising children and I you know, just wanted to stay home. And then by the time all this happened, uh, both of us, our youngest kids were graduating. In 2020, our kids, the youngest kids were graduating, which meant we were going to go on the road and do all sorts of things with our partners. Uh, and then 2020 happened, and so we, we were stuck at home for two years. So, yeah, it's, every step has been not planned at all, and I can't believe my luck. I can't, we, we both of us. I mean, his wife is one of my best friends. The four of us just get on so well together because I've been married for forever. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, 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 we, yeah, when I talk about it, it's like, wow, this is my life. I can't believe it. That's so cool. Uh, do you guys, are you traveling a ton, a ton, a ton now that things are back up? I mean, I know that you have been uh, doing some shows and hitting the road and stuff. Like, are, are you are you going mega active for the in-person stuff? No, we, we've, it's funny. what When you when you stop being on the road, you, when, we, when we went back on the road in, in uh, March, April this year, um, we decided to be more picky about what we did. Because before that, we were like, oh, let's just gig. We need to just gig. And then... Uh, I think that break kind of gives you some perspective. So, yeah, we did a BC tour in April, which was great. Uh, went out to do Folk Alliance in May. Did a, we did another tour. I can't, oh, yeah, and then in the summer, we've, uh, we did uh, a bunch of festivals. And I've just been out in Ontario. Uh, we did another festival out there. And then we've got an Ontario what? tour coming up. But, uh, yeah, we, we're trying to be a bit more picky. But, yeah, it doesn't sound like we are because we're still out there doing that. <laughs> Well, yeah. so when you're looking out over the audiences now, um, is it different? Is is it different now? Is your perspective different? Is the audience different? I mean, being able to see these people after not seeing them really for quite some time or not being able to see them for quite some time, does it feel different for artists these days? Because there seems to be, I mean, everybody's trying to get on the road. Everybody's trying to do shows. And yet the the quality is better than ever. Is is it is it really different standing up there? Do you look at it differently now after it was stolen from us for for a couple of years? Yeah, I mean, you can see the gratitude on people's face. Grateful is the word I use for everybody's grateful to just be there, to be either you know, performing the music or watching the music or just or, or being a tech, you know, running the stage, running the sound. Everyone's just super grateful to be doing it again. So I think... I think any jadedness that was there before, because, you know, you'd be on the road and it, it, it gets tiring. Um, I think now we're just going, I can't believe we we do this. This is great. Yeah. Do you just ride it out now? Is that all you do? I mean, it sounds like uh, you're, you know, I mean, you've got the kids part done. You've got the previous <laughs> career part done. You know, you've got your, you've been married forever. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, so now, is that what you do? You just ride the wave? Yeah, I mean, everything's a bonus, really, because I, I mean, like, it's funny because my, my son, my son has just turned 20 a couple of uh, days ago, and uh, he, he's always going, Mom, you're, you're in your 50s, and you're in a band, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it's everything I wanted. I just got it later in life. Uh, like I, said, I fell into comedy, and I did that for a long time, and I liked it, but it wasn't what I loved, and I always wanted to do, just do music without the comedy, and... And I get to do it with a guy who's like a brother, and we just have such a laugh together. Uh, if you if you go check out any of our social media, you see that when we're on the road, we'll do lip, lip sync videos to Seinfeld episodes, just to pass the time when you're on long drives. Do you, uh, what do you say to everyone who says that they've they've missed it? I just spent a bunch of time doing some study, and one of the study pieces that really landed for me was you missed your chance. And that was one thing that has occurred to me in my, like that negative speak in my brain. And, yeah. and so I, I've done a lot of, spent a lot of time going, you know what? Nope. I haven't missed my chance. There's an awful lot left to do. My kids are 17 and 18. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, you're there and you're looking at your life. I'm almost 50. So many people listening right now are hearing you saying, there's no way that I could reinvent my life. And, it's too late or my second chance as you describe it. What do you say to those people? Well, I mean, yeah, that sort of negative self. So, I mean, you, 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 I, that's a tricky one because everything that's happened, I mean, it's happened by accident, but I also am a, I'm a risk taker. So I, if somebody says, do you want to do this? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Unless I absolutely don't want to do it. But if it's something, even if it's a bit scary, I'll just say yes to it. And that's what I've done with all of this. Um, like I said, I wanted to do music when I was younger. I wanted to do straight music, and it just felt unobtainable for some reason at that point. And the pieces fell into place, and it felt right. And, yeah, I don't think there's ever, it's ever too late to do anything, really. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't be in a band at my age, and, but, but why not? Because, and especially not, in the folk yeah. world. There's plenty of people at all ages doing doing the thing. So, is it about trust, yeah. trusting yourself? Yeah, yeah, that's a big part. And I don't think I could have hand. I, I did comedy when I was younger, and that was a weird world to be in. And I don't think I could have handled being in a band on the road in my twenties and thirties. I think I would have handled it really badly. Whereas, and both Paul and I say, Paul's just turned fifty, and I'm coming up to fifty-five. And we, we both just say, this, you know, one of the reasons we are enjoying this so much is because we have the maturity. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit dull, but we have that maturity to handle the disappointments and the successes. God, it doesn't sound dull to me, actually. It sounds incredibly real. I think that when, when we look at what we do for jobs every day or career changes, not only for musicians, right, is that we, yeah. we often go and, and look at, you know, what we're doing and someone could have a super cool, super fun job and be like, I just really want to sit in an office and be an accountant or I just want to go to do a job where someone tells me what to do. I mean, so I, I don't think I that's, that's mundane like that. at all. Yeah. I, well, I have days like that because we, we, we still write for TV and film. In fact, we just got a placement tonight, which is really nice. It was all happening tonight. I got a new kitten. My kids were both home <laughs> to visit. It was this whole thing going on. Um, so we still write for that, but there are days where you go, oh, I wish somebody just told me what to do, because you have to be very self-motivated. 
in this in being a musician or being an artist of any kind it has you know it comes from you nobody's telling you to do it so um yeah, yeah it's it's a tricky business okay so now you said those things so i have to ask more questions what's your cat's name oh so we, we well we sadly lost a cat a couple of weeks ago and uh oh. and so my when we lose an animal my the thing that keeps me sane is getting a new one and uh so we just got this new ginger cat called hobbs hobbs we That's just picked cute. him up this evening, and he's just the sweetest little thing. And we've got another cat, Linus, and we haven't introduced him yet, so we're going to do Linus. that tomorrow. You like cartoons. <laughs> um, well, my son's named after Charlie Brown. There's a whole Peanuts thing going on there. Okay, so your son is Charlie? Mm-hmm. And your daughter is? Daisy. Charlie and Daisy. Which one's your favorite? Um, oh, it depends what day it is, really. Ah. No, <laughs> no. That's a good answer. And my daughter, my daughter's twenty-five. She's married, and, and yeah, so it's it's I've, yeah, it's all life is feeling pretty good right now. What does TV and film, music for TV and film, sound like for anybody who's curious? I, I just don't want to leave that one out there hanging. So address that. If you're doing music for TV and film, what does that look like? That's a, that's a, a big question. Well, I mean, it's it's something that a lot of people are trying to get into, but when they don't get immediate success, they say it's a waste of time and people, you know, people are taking advantage. We've we've been doing this for oh my goodness, uh, twelve years, both of us, and um, most people. I mean, everyone we've come across is a, a really solid, and uh, but you have to play the long game. So you write, you have to write a lot of music, you have to find good publishers. Uh, have people working for you, uh, a publisher or agency, pushing music to music supervisors, and you never know what's going to get placed. Uh, the first song Paul and I ever wrote together in 2012, uh, in 2018, got placed in a uh, Gold Peak Tea ad. And we had no, I mean, you, so you, you, you have to write the music and just forget about it and put it out there. And then you get pleasantly surprised. Six years pain, later. Which is nice. Wow. Yeah, this is so good. Well, I I really appreciate that um, that you're here, and I'm going to ask you for one last uh, sales pitch of uh, the Comox Valley. Why should people come there before we're done? Oh, it's a terrible place. Nobody should come. It's full. No, it's a wonderful place. <laughs> it's it's, so I mean, it's 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 arty. You've got the outdoors. You've got a lot of culture. I mean, it's just and the people. I moved here. We moved here twenty years ago in October with a seven-week-old baby and a five-year-old child, and it's the best thing we ever did. We bring up our kids here has just been just wonderful. Both my kids love it here. Uh, you've got skiing, you've got sailing, you've got, uh, we don't golf, but if you like golfing, there's golfing. It's just gorgeous. Okay, Big Little Lions. Uh, let's do the socials and um, uh, just for everyone else, biglittlelions.com, Twitter, pretty much the same thing everywhere. Are there anything yeah. uh, that anyone else needs to know? Well, here's the story. The, re- the reason we chose the name, people say, why did they choose the name? And, you know, we love the name. We go, well, actually, we chose it because it was available everywhere. Mm. It's just Big Little Lions. Good, I mean, he's really tall and I'm business. really short, but but yeah, we're big little lines everywhere. Well, that's wonderful. That's what you have to do in today's world. I have a really great idea for a business. That's awesome. You probably can't call it that. Come up with a <laughs> yeah. name that you can get the domain for. Right? right? Yes, exactly. Absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here, Helen. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, we are going to hear full song versions um, coming up here shortly. So we ask the shift heads to stick around for that one. Have yourself a fantastic uh, uh, evening, uh, morning, cuddling with <laughs> Hobbs. 
the kitty. The kitten. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I've really it's been lovely talking to you. This is the Shift Podcast. When you go on vacation, sometimes you do things that you would not normally do, right? Like you get this anonymity that you don't get everywhere else. I have a friend of mine, he wanted to do stand-up comedy. So he's from Calgary. He went to Vancouver to do his very first open mic night. That way, nobody would know who he was. There was a flight that was leading, leaving Calgary, going to Heathrow recently. I was watching it on the Flight Radar 24 app because I'm a nerd and I like the airplanes. And then all of a sudden, turned around, came back to Calgary. What happened? Unruly customer, unruly passenger, didn't want to wear a mask or something like that. So they flew back, <laughs> dropped the person off, and went on to London Heathrow. When we travel, sometimes we do things differently. It's part of the escapism that we get to get when we travel. It's part of the anonymity we get when we travel. Well, turns out, sometimes when we do it, we're absolute jerks about it. Claire Newell, TravelBestBets.com, is here with all the travel things. And this story from GlobalNews.ca, I'll read the headline, Claire. Venice mayor calls for Hunt for Idiots, films surfing along the Grand Canal they basically had those self-powered boards and they were given her through the canals. We're, yeah. We're Can bad. you believe We're hooligans. It? We're a bunch of hooligans. hooligans. It's just, it's actually shocking. But the sad part is, is I'm not surprised. I've heard stories over the past 30 years of people just doing this type of thing. I mean, maybe not at this scale. I mean, I really do hope that people do what they this last survey that i was reading shane it was a globe a travel trend report it was conducted by american express and nearly two-thirds of respondents want to be more thoughtful about where and how they travel this year more than three quarters so 78 percent want to have a positive impact on the community that they're visiting Mm-hmm. visiting 81 percent planning to go to destinations where they can fully immerse themselves in local culture so my whole kind of vibe is is that if you're going you need to do some very basic things and many of the the things are so easily accessible online by going to travel.gc.ca there is a tab for every single country on the culture as well as the laws kind of what's expected and what's not like let's i mean let's go to destinations and know the important phrases like please and thank you in the language and actually use them but do research before you go you really need to know the general vibe of of a destination like are other people actually using electric surfboards in venice like come on they're That's on so gondolas funny. that are powered, right? Just, yeah. I love just, it. I, I I think it's so funny. And it makes me think of like even things like gratuity, right? You go, when I went to Dublin and I was, I said to my friend Julie, who I'd met, and I said, um, you know, hey, uh, d- do I tip? And and she said, no. <laughs> right. right. And I was, I was like, oh, okay. She said, well, if you do, they're going to be grateful. Typically, everybody just rounds up the euros and off you go. And, um, but they're going to be grateful but the reality is, no, there's no gratuity. Everyone gets paid here. They get paid. And so even little things like do I tip when I travel matter. Although I, I mean, this story, as I'll post it at shiftheads.ca so you can see even some of the, the tweets that are out there of these guys running these electric surfboards on the uh, canals in Venice. But the, oh, it's wild. Uh, but it's fascinating. And it, 
it makes me want, I want to know more now, right? Like I, you, you oh, hear the stories of the tragedy oh, yeah. of people doing selfies and falling into pits and all that stuff. I mean, that's terrible. People but- driving, people were driving on the Spanish steps. Like people do this type of thing and it's, it's just not, you know, out there in the open. And I would, I really want to encourage people to, and I think you and I've chatted about this. It's the, it's a film that was produced called The Last Tourist. Did you get a chance to watch it? And no, I don't think a, I did. Okay, so this is, it's a documentary and it kind of takes a deep dive into the impacts of over-tourism. And it examines some of the real tragic ways that people and animals and resources are exploited for the sake of tourists right. in destinations around the world. And I found it really eye-opening. I think it provides insight into some of the changes that need to take place to just to ensure that we're, I don't know, we don't revert to old habits and cause harm. I think a lot of people have had their habits change as we want to be more sustainable and not leave a footprint, but it really does explore the environmental and the human costs of mass tourism. Like you wonder why Venice is going to be charging in 2023 for people visiting that this is why there's, you know, there's, there are choices that we as individuals can make to help support local communities in meaningful ways rather than contributing and uh, perpetuating these issues going forward. And I feel like one of the most important things that we as travelers can do is to really be aware, be mindful of where we're going, be respectful uh, and, and try and do the right thing. And, And if that means finding out where, you know, the, if you should be tipping, what what are the right clothes to pack? You know, if you, are you visiting a church in Europe or or going in Asia to a Buddhist oh, temple? Right? No shirt, like you, no shoes, no service kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I've seen people be rude even and, and not really realizing it. They they kind of being a, I guess, it, what, what's the term, a photo hog? You know, they, mm. they really want to go and take a picture of the Trevi Fountain and so does everybody else. And they're sitting there taking pictures of themselves for like, 20 minutes to get them Mm -hmm. right. And meanwhile, there's a huge long line, like just go in, snap a few shots and then move on, edit, crop and filter later. But Mm -hmm. it just, I I feel like there are really just basic respectful things that we need to, to do. Well, and also to that point, because the Molly Malone statue was one thing that I had that experience with when you go take a picture and then you got, this meatball who walks up behind you and you're just doing your super quick picture like you talk about and they don't even care. They just walk up past the line, they stand there, they take their picture and then off they go. So then they also interrupt it on the other way. They didn't take a long time, but they totally interrupt the queue. It's just a little bit of a courtesy. I mean, there's no rules here, but a little bit of a courtesy to everyone's here for the same thing. Yeah, so common courtesy, being polite, being respectful, uh, being smart. (laughs) You just... You know, a lot of these things you don't even realize could be actually illegal and mm. you could be fined for it. You know, walking with heels in certain places in Italy if it, because it ruins the cobblestones or the, the, some of the, the amazing sites that you're going to be visiting, including walking on the Spanish steps. I mean, that's basic. But who wants to be walking on those cobbles in high heels anyway? You mm-hmm. want to be comfortable runners, basically, in my opinion. But I feel like... Um, it's sad that we're going to be doing like, uh, an example. I feel like we're going to be watching or visiting some of these sites in a completely different way moving forward. And one thing came to mind is when I was a little girl, 
I was with my my parents and they had taken my myself and my two brothers to Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of the three of us kind of um, in front of it, leaning on it. And when I went to take my kids, and this was probably 10 years ago, we couldn't get closer than probably 100, 150 feet. Like mm-hmm. it's all cottoned off. It's got, you know, big, uh, big uh, fences, or not fences, but just you can't go past these certain barricades. You can see over it, but you that's it. And I feel like I, I, the same type of thing is going to happen in a couple of other places that I feel so grateful to have visited. Um, Machu Picchu up in the Citadel, you can walk through things. And I actually did see people kind of chipping away at rocks to be able to tap to take a memento and i thought to myself this is going to be one of those places you're going to be walk you know walking through but mm, kind of looking in through plexiglass like and and yeah. walking around barricades pretty well, quickly like the mona lisa you hear about that right like the photos and mona lisa and flash photography and all those yes things. that's exactly right and then the same thing i felt about uh angor wat in cambodia and that I mean, the temples are so beautiful, and you see pictures of um, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. You you so, you know the roots over top of these cool structures that have been there for years and years, and you can actually touch them and 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 walk around them, re- like right up to them. And I just know that that's going to not be the case moving forward. I wonder one day if places like Uganda and Rwanda where people can still go and respectfully, and it's, yes, it's expensive, but it's amazing. And you get to see the gorillas up mm. close. Mm. I doubt that that will be around even five years from now. Uh, there's a couple that I'd found here online and it's amazing. The list of these storylines where people have done stupid things. Skinny dipping in the canals in Venice is another one that has happened. Um, <laughs> apparently frowned yeah. upon another one. There was a story of a, a Finnish guy about 10 years or so ago that tried or that got caught or tried to break off part of an ear from one of the statues. Oh, uh, I remember that. Easter Island statues. Yeah. It's shocking. That's yeah. shocking. But yeah. how selfish is that? I mean, I, I guess I'm being we're being critical here, but at the same time, but I mean, really, like this is the thing, um, you know. Obviously, doing your your you know A plus B and a heart kind of things, you know, writing out of vandalizing on a wall, not realizing, oh, it's cute. This is our little love thing, but no, it's not. You're actually vandalizing these things. Yeah, people do Let it in you- Egypt, man, on pharaohs. Like yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it's just so disrespectful because you have to think of all the people coming after you who want to you know see this and are so grateful to to be able to get the experience to go and see Tutankhamun or go to go to the Louvre or, or mm. see Machu Picchu or whatever taking part of it vandalizing it putting your little initial on it somewhere to come back one day like as if that's just so I, I, I am a firm believer that you leave nothing but your footprints. And, mm-hmm. and that's a reminder that the little things matter. If you are going to a, a beach where you know nobody's around, there likely isn't a trash can. So when you're taking your, your stuff, make sure that you've got a bag to take the trash away with you and dispose of it where you go somewhere. If you can, it's the little things that count. Um, buying from... A local restaurant and eating there and enjoying the local food rather than maybe going to a chain hotel like you know there's maybe a time and place uh at home where you want to go through a drive-through but do you mm-hmm. really need to do that on a vacation um so, so i i feel like it's a, a really 
it's worth 90 minutes to watch The Last Tourist if you have any interest. It's a super inspiring watch. You can stream it on demand on Apple or Amazon and almost all of Air Canada flights have it as an option. So on your next flight, I think it's worth it to just take. And for me, there were things in this 90 minute documentary where I, I actually kind of gulped and thought, Oh geez, I've done that in the past. I, I will not do this again. And I'm quite conscious about when I travel. And so this taught me a lot. So I would, that's why I'm saying I really encourage people because it's a, it's an issue. We can't have this kind of stuff going on. Sexy time. But people trying to have sexy time in oh. in places. I mean, that's a thing. There was uh, the story from, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so about uh, someone stole a penguin from the... Uh, oh, well, yeah, there's that. But someone's, yeah. <laughs> someone stole a penguin from the Australia Zoo. Like, people do uh, amazing things. Like, oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, I think that more and more we'll start to see people being made an example of, especially as we start to get kind of travel ramping up post-pandemic. And I feel like with those stats I gave you the beginning from that survey done by American Express, I think people do want to make the right choices. And I think whether it's, I don't know, is it pack mentality? Is it mm-hmm. just in the moment they lose their marbles? What What is it? Whatever it is, we just need to remind each other um, just when we're going in and we are fully immersing ourselves in these cultures and should be so grateful to be able to go. And I just, I don't think we can take it for granted when we're going to someone's country. It's not um, our God given right. It is, Mm. it is something that we are, we should be grateful to be able to, but in doing that, we need to respect their culture, learn their laws and learn their language. I mean, I don't care if you butcher, please. And thank you. But if you try it goes a long way and it sets the tone for your trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking that taking that time, I've had people complain to me going to Mexico, which is so common for Canadians, and them being super mad that they couldn't rent jet skis on Easter. Well, when you're going into primarily Catholic country, do your homework. Um, those There are religious holidays in countries and things will be closed. And you can't get mad about that. I get people being mad about um, weather, not realizing or they didn't do their homework. So I guess the bottom line is, is you need to do your research. And it doesn't mean just finding out what the cheapest flight is and the cheapest accommodation that you can get. There's so much more uh, to, to making the experience fantastic. I think it's the fun part is going in and, and experiencing that culture and meeting the locals and, and giving back to their country that you're so lucky to be going to by spending the money buying souvenirs that are made there and and from locals and eating in the in those local restaurants and i just i just i think gratitude is the word it's fascinating there's some other wild stories too well monk seals in hawaii is one big one you're not allowed to touch them and they actually cordon off the beaches there's volunteers that do that so when a monk seal decides to have a nap uh, they get that beach and you don't and sometimes people get mad about that there's all kinds of Sea turtle migration and egg laying, that's a big one that happens yeah. often that people try to get in the way and, and all that. Stealing bricks from Auschwitz, like this is a thing people have been caught doing. Um, there was a story, um, it's the Pritwell, Prittlewell Prior, Prior, Priory Museum. Ooh, tough one. Um, mm-hmm. Someone opened up an 800-year-old coffin and tried to put their kid in it and it broke it in half. 
Like, oh my gosh. It's amazing. You know what? And you know what the most simplest one for me that I think that most everybody doesn't pay attention to is koi ponds and coins. People do that all the time. They sure do. It is such a reminder. Like some these sho- th- these things that you're bringing up are are absolutely shocking. I think any kind of decent human being, I guess, would say that these things are so wrong, yet we keep hearing. And you could probably give another hundred examples, Shane, in in a heartbeat if you if you did your research. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> fascinating. Okay, so we've only got a, a minute or two here. Claire Newell, TravelBestBets.com. Um, you always got some little hot tips on the side. What's uh, What should we be looking for? Because everyone's, things are expensive these days, Claire. So what are oh, some of the good deals? They are. They are expensive. Well, my advice is is to, to book early. A lot of my friends are saying, you know, we're coming up to our Canadian winter and people are looking at where and what to do. And I would recommend, especially over the holidays, if you want to get away during Christmas break, over New Year's or spring break of next year, start doing your homework now. I booked my Christmas in February and I'm really glad I did because it's almost 40% more now. And as we get closer, it's only going to go up and you may be able to get some of the Canadian tour operators. So I'm talking about WestJet vacations or Canada vacations, Transat, Sunwing. They may offer a price guarantee, which will give you a little bit of Um, reassurance that if the price drops, and I think it's up to $400 for some of the tour operators, if you read the fine print, they will give you a refund. But my gut says you are not going to get a refund. It's only going to get more expensive as we get closer to departure. Yeah, there was one of my favorite hotels had like a 50% off sale or whatever, and you could have booked it last December and it was good until the end of 2022. Didn't do it. Regret it. Do you? And now is it just insane? Oh, it's back to normal. It's, you know, 300 plus US, 350 US a night. Yeah, so, I mean, so you were going demand. for 100 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, hopefully people will take advantage of that and start to do some research so that they get the best deals out there. Like I say, it's only going up. It's only going up. Travelbestbets.com. Learn more. You see her on the TV too. It's Claire Newell. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.